Well, um, I wanted to start just with a just a quick story. And uh, when I was in uh, uh, my first year of college uh, at Coffeyville Community College, and uh, that's one of those things I don't know why my mom and dad ever let me go to Coffeyville Community College. But towards the end of the year, um, it was just a place I didn't want to be anymore. It, it was a, a, a kind of a dirty little town. No offense to anyone that's from Coffeyville, but uh, it, it's not a fun place to be. And uh, the college, I've told some stories, I believe, about uh, just some of the things that happened on campus. But I wanted to get out of there, and I wanted to go to an, another school. And I, I was looking around at different colleges, and uh, in my searching, um, we found a Nazarene school in uh, Olivet, or Olivet Nazarene College in, uh, where is it, Mom? Where was it, Mom? Kankakee, Illinois. I knew she'd come through for me. And... Uh, but anyway, we'd never, I'd never even heard of a Nazarene church, but come to know my mom, who knows almost everything, <laughs> informed me that um, a good friend of mine from high school, Kent Peterson, his dad was a pastor of the Nazarene church, Fairlawn Church of the Nazarene. And, and so she encouraged me to call him and find out about the Nazarene church, and I did. And one thing led to another, and, and Kent and I became even closer friends, and, and I started going to church there, and, and during that summer, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And it, was, it was an incredible moment, and, and it's been 13 years since then. But that summer was, a, was an incredible summer. I was on fire for Christ, a new Christian, and, and I went to, I ended up changing where I was going to go. I ended up going to Mid-American Nazarene College in Olathe, Kansas. And, and that's where Kent was going. It all kind of worked out real nice. And, and Kent and I lived just down the hall from each other in, in the dorms. And Kent's roommate was a guy by the name of Robbie Jones. Now, Robbie Jones was what you'd call a all-American kid. And Gracie, I'm going to do my best not to cry. Gracie asked me on the way here if I, if I wouldn't cry. <laughs> and, and Lisa's not here, so I don't have to worry about her. But Gracie did ask me, so I'll do my best. But Robbie Jones was an all-American kid. He's about six foot three. He's a great athlete. Grew up in College Church of the Nazarene, the church to be in in Olathe. I mean, three thousand members and, and just quite a church. And and um, when he was in high school, he was not only a great basketball player at Olathe South, but he was also a great baseball player. In fact, the summer before we got to Mid America. His summer college or summer baseball team won the national championship. I don't know what it'd be called. I don't know if that's the World Series of high school kids or not. But he um, he won. He was the winning pitcher in the championship game. He pitched a one hitter and a shutout. And uh, I mean, just an incredible guy, an incredible athlete. Well, he was Kent's roommate. Kent had met him through some Nazarene functions, and and that's how they became roommates. Well, after we'd been there for a while, we, we realized, um, and through Kent talking to Robbie, and Robbie, although he's the all-American kid, had, had never accepted Christ as his Savior. And, and it, was, it was just kind of an, an odd thing. He grew up in the church, and he, and he had Christian parents, and, he, and all, all the right things, but he was kind of rebellious in high school. And, and a good friend of his had come to school with us, and, and, and we, we spent a lot of time talking with Robbie, and it was almost Christmas time, and I remember the chapel service when Robbie did accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. 
And I remember kneeling down close to him and just praising God that such a great kid, such an all-American. I mean, Robbie was one of those guys you just liked to be around. He was just fun. He was a, a great kid. And, and, uh, and now, from, from my viewpoint as, as a young 19-year-old kid, I'm thinking, now we got, you know, someone on our side, you know, a great guy to, to fight for the gospel and, and, and so on and so on. Well, it wasn't but a year and a half after that. Sorry, Gracie. That uh, we got a call that Robbie had died in a car wreck. During the summer, it was just an everyday night. He'd gone to a movie with some friends and drive it home. He got hit from the side and Robbie died instantly. And through all that, we were just shocked. Just in shock. How could this happen to a 20-year-old kid that had everything going for him. The All-American kid. Even now, the baseball field at Mid-America is named the Robbie Jones Field. In a park in Hawaii is called Jones Park. Because of this 20-year-old kid that in a short time made a big difference. But I remember talking with Kent, my good friend, in the most unbelievable thing about it is that he had just been saved. It was just a year and a half before that he had met his Savior and he was saved from hell. And it's not a fun thing to talk about, hell, but that is what he was saved from. And that brings me to a question. What is the most important thing? Last Tuesday... Driving Gracie to school, Dr. James Dobson's being interviewed on the radio. James Dobson is the president and founder of Focus on the Family and has reached by millions of, of people for the gospel of Christ. I don't need it, Kathy. <laughs> she, she wanted to give me a Kleenex. James Dobson, I mean, just an incredible guy. has reached millions, millions of people, literally, with the gospel of Christ. And here this guy asked him, you've done such a good job raising your kids and teaching people how to raise their kids. Can you give me like, oh, you know, five goals or five ideas in, in raising your kids? And James Dobson said, I could give you hundreds. But the most important one is to make sure that they are saved, that they know Jesus Christ. I turned to Gracie and I said, Gracie, thank God, praise God that, that you know Christ, that, that you, you know Him, that you're saved. And it hit me. And I turned back to Gracie and I said, do you know what being saved means and what you're saved from? Now granted, give her some time. She would have made the right answer. <laughs> but her first response was, I don't know. It's a horrible thing to talk about, and, and it's killed me all week. But we deserve death. We deserve hell. But this God that loved us has saved us. And that's where the term being saved comes. We are saved from hell. It's a horrible place. And no one wants to go there. No one even wants to talk about it in the society we live in. Jesus who talked more about hell than, than, than anyone else in the Bible. In John 
chapter 5, verse 24 says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. We, we are born into a fallen world of sin, and we deserve death. There is no other possible thing we deserve because we cannot live up to the standards that God has. But we don't have to accept death because we can accept what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross and His blood can cleanse us so that we can be taken from death to life and live an eternal life. In this world that we live in, we try so hard to ignore Hell and death. Although there's death all around us, we try our best to ignore it. We, we use terms like, oh, he's passed away or he's passed on. Or, I mean, we, we just try to avoid the fact that we are going to die. Robbie was 20. Some people are 40, 60, 80, but it doesn't matter. It's such a short blip of time. It's so short compared to eternity, forever. It's such an incredible thought to think about. Forever, we can't even imagine it because our minds are not able to comprehend eternity. And we give our kids lots of good things. We give them toys and clothes and we protect them and we support them and we go to their games and we do so many good things. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, I'm going to make sure my kid has the stuff I didn't have when I was growing up and I'm going to do good things for him." we tend to forget the most important, the one that James Dobson said, the words that really stuck with me. He said, when I was a young father, looking at my kids, I realized I don't want to just spend this lifetime with them. I want to be with them forever. So why would you not tell them and tell those you love about not only the life, the eternal life that God has offered, but the But the horrible fact of hell. Why would we not warn these people? Why would we not spend time warning people about hell and telling them about life? Especially with our own kids. A lady came into the furniture barn the other day, just a a sweet, sweet, sweet old lady, and she had to walk with a cane. And she'd lived many years in this life. And she was looking for... Not one little corner shelf for all her pictures, but four to go in each corner of her bedroom because she had 25 grandchildren who had 27 children of their own. So she had 52 grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And my response was, Wow, God has blessed you. And she said, Yes, He has. And I thought about that later. How many people, how many kids that she has the opportunity to affect for Christ? How many people she is responsible for making sure they know about the dangers of hell and the joys of heaven? It sounds so simple, but it's so rarely talked about. I mean, we, we tell our kids to stay away from the streets. I mean, I mean, you'd think a parent was nuts. I live on 17th Street, and would you not think I was nuts if I let my kids go out and play in the front yard and didn't warn them about the street, the danger of the cars, or the, 
or the danger of strangers stopping or, or bad neighborhoods and, and all those things we warn our kids about, but we fail to warn them about the most important. And if we're standing on just a, a road and we knew that up ahead the bridge was out over a great river or a canyon and we knew the bridge was out, would we not run out in front of the cars and wave our hands and say, Stop! Stop! The bridge is out! You will die! And those people would be annoyed that you're running out and waving your hands and trying to stop. They'd think you're nuts. And you know what? In this society, they think we're nuts when we start talking about hell and eternal damnation. They think we're nuts. They think we're crazy. And we're scared to talk about it. And I'm the number one culprit. That's why it was so hard for me to talk about this this week. Because it, it's uncomfortable. But those people in those cars, would they not thank you? Would they not thank you when they got to their car and realized, thank you, you saved my life. And we warn people of the dangers here on earth. But what about the dangers of eternal life? So much more important than the life here. It's eternal. It's forever. Jesus shares a parable of Lazarus and the rich man. And most of you probably know it, but very quickly, basically there's a poor man outside the gates of this rich man. And he begs for food. Someone carried him there and set him there so he could get the scraps from the rich man's table and the dogs lick his wounds and it's a, a miserable life here on earth, but somehow, some way, he knows God and knows the truth and the rich man does not. And the next scene is the rich man in hell, Lazarus in heaven. Lazarus looks up and he sees, or uh, the rich man looks up and he sees Lazarus sitting next to Abraham. And he calls out to Abraham, Abraham, please let Lazarus dip his finger in the water and just touch it to my tongue because I'm in eternal, I'm in eternal torment. It's miserable. And of course, he can't do that. Because he explains to him there's a chasm between the two and you can't go and you can't come. Once you are there, you are there forever. And then he yells out, Please, raise Lazarus from the dead so he can go and tell my brothers. I have four brothers and he needs to go and tell them and warn them of this horrible place that I'm in. And they can't. You see, he has Moses and the prophets, which is the word of God. And if they don't believe from that, they won't believe from Lazarus being resurrected. And as I thought about that this week, and I went back and forth, I don't want to talk about this, but I felt like God was telling me to talk about this. It hit me. How many people have I come into contact with in my life that I have failed to tell about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I have failed to warn them that what happens if they continue to live the life they're living, they will be in hell, eternal torment forever and ever. And I can picture them saying, Chris, why? Why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you tell me? The next question is why? Why would a loving God send people to hell? How often do we hear that in our society of, of love and peace and tolerance and unity? Why would this God, this God that creates, why would he send us to hell? 
I'm just going to read a short paragraph that Max Lucado writes. The title of it, Does Hell Serve a Purpose? As much as we resist the idea, isn't the absence of hell even worse? Remove it from the Bible, and at the same time you remove any notion of a just God. In a trustworthy scripture, let me explain. If there is no hell, God is not just. If there is no punishment of sin, heaven is apathetic toward the rapists, the pillagers, the mass murderers of society. If there is no hell, God is blind toward the victims, turned his back on those who pray for relief. If there is no wrath toward evil, then God is not love, for love hates that which is evil. To say there is no hell is also to say that God is a liar. His scripture is untrue. The Bible repeatedly and stoutly affirms the dualistic outcome of history. Some will be saved and some will be lost. And Daniel 12.2 says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. There's a hell because God is just. He is a God that has given us His Word. He, he, it's right here. And you know, in, in our society that we live in, where, where Christianity is talked about and, and openly we can worship God, we have no excuse because it's right here. It is right here. And if God didn't send people to hell, He would not be a just God. He would not be a true God. He would be a liar. And that is not God's nature. Just like Max Lucado said, God is a God of love. And love, love cannot deal with evil. It hates evil. The things of God seem so backward sometimes compared to the society that we live in. I think one thing that's extremely hard for me to deal with is to think about all the good people they're going to be in hell. And I know that sounds bad, but I know lots of good people. Lots of good people. And they do good things. But they refuse to accept Christ. And therefore, their life is meaningless. In hell is where they'll go. And it's such a horrible thought. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus again says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. In Revelations 3.14, the church, the church of uh, Lacedonia, he says the words, You are neither hot nor cold. You are, because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Or I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Good people. Good people who... Do good things. They don't kill. They don't steal. 
but they don't know the truth, or they have not accepted, they have not made the choice to accept Christ as their Savior, and there is only one outcome. There's only one outcome. In our world of love and tolerance and unity, even the church, even the church is leading people to hell. And I, I mean, that sounds horrible. And, and, but this week, we got a, a letter in the mail from a church here in Topeka that on the front of it, their motto was, Open minds, open hearts, and open doors. And you know, I, I understand. I, there's many people who would stand here and call me an intolerant and many other words to follow. But they went on to explain in their brochure what they meant by their open minds and open hearts and open doors. And never one, not at one point in there did they explain that sin leads to death. Never once did they mention the words, sin will lead you to hell. All they talked about was the love of God, which is so true. God does love every one of us, and he, that's why He wants us to be with Him in eternity. But if we don't warn people, if we're not warning people of the dangers of sin, then we are failing. James 4.4 4 says this, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So often, and we see it congregation after congregation, starting to accept homosexual pastors and ministers, and, and they are accepting the world into their churches. They're accepting the, what, what the world accepts so they can get people to come in. And at the end of this brochure, the best part about it was they offered a free gift if you came to visit their church. And I was so excited, because I don't know, maybe it was a bookmark or something, I don't know. But a free just to come, you got a free gift. And it wasn't the free gift of the message of Christ. It was a free gift. Maybe a turkey, I don't know. But it was a free gift. But this world, it, it is... And I know that the, the Word of God at times can be can be backwards in their minds, and, and, and they don't truly understand the Word of God. But unfortunately, Jesus Himself admitted He did not come to bring peace to the world. And when we stand up and we proclaim the message of Christ, people will be angry. We can see it all over the world in the missionaries we talk about each week. They're in hostile places. And when you proclaim the word of Christ and you tell people they're sinners, they are not going to like you. And that's why this society in America right now is turning against Christians because we are, in their minds, intolerant. Because we preach the truth of Christ. That if you don't accept Him, if you don't follow Him, that you'll go to hell. It's not us. That's what His word tells us. And so these people get angry, and Jesus himself said, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, her mother, 
a daughter-in-law, against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I told you a little bit at the very beginning about what happened to me 13 years ago. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And this coming Father's Day, it will be 13 years. Now believe me, I have lots of people here that would testify. I've done some stupid things. And I continue to do them. I make lots of mistakes. And I fail over and over to tell people about the message of Christ. But I am going to keep plugging away. And as I think about my conversion in the summer of 1990, I think about the Petersons who I met. What if the Petersons would have decided to just be friends with me and not tell me the truth because they didn't want me to feel bad? What if that would have happened? I mean, how would I feel about them when I was in hell or when I found out the truth later that they didn't take the time? to tell me the truth about Jesus Christ, but they did. And to this day, they're my dearest friends. My goodness. I owe everything to Christ, but those people that stood up and said, Chris, that is wrong. This is right. This is the truth. And I remember that night, that Sunday evening, standing there and just not thinking about the dangers of hell, just thinking, I want to be good. I know what I'm doing is wrong, and I want to change. I want to follow Christ. I want to be with Him forever and eternity, and I want to change. And because of that, because of my life, my kids are changed. And I pray every day that their kids will be changed. And it will keep spreading. And keep spreading, we come into contact with so many people. So many people, and so many times we fail to warn them about hell because it is not fun to talk about. We can make three choices. We can choose today to warn others. We can make that choice right now. And I'm telling you, I had to make it this week because I could not have got up here in front of you and told you all this and said what I said if I myself wasn't going to change. And I've been so apathetic in my approach. Oh, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. But I'd rather offend them now than watch them spend eternity in hell. We can choose to reject God. It's a choice. C.S. Lewis said the gates of hell are locked from the inside. They're locked from the inside. The people in hell have chosen to not accept Christ. So you can choose. You can choose to reject God.
Or we can choose to accept God. We can choose to accept His free gift. And I just want to read you Revelation chapter 21. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. He, they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. This is the part I love. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. No more crying, death, mourning, or pain. That is eternal life. You skip down to verse 6 of chapter 21. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. What God offers us is free. It is our free gift. He sets it before us and says, accept me. Believe in me and the one who sent me. Believe the fact that this God that loves you has sent His Son, even though you don't deserve it. He has sent His only Son to die on the cross, and His blood will cleanse your sins so that you can be with me in heaven. If we don't choose that, verse 8 tells us, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars. Their place is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. There's so many different terms for hell in the Bible. Not one of them is pleasant. And I had a professor in college that put it this way. He said, you will be separated from God. Worse than the fire. Worse than the torment. You will be separated from your Creator. Isaiah 43, 24 and 25 says these words. But you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offenses. We have sinned against God. We burdened Him and wearied Him with, our, with what we do in this life. All of us, like I said, we deserve death. But listen to what God says. I, even I, am He who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. The same God that would send someone to hell is the same God that doesn't want to. He wants you in His presence for His sake. Not for my sake. Not for my kid's sake. But for His sake. He created us. And He loves us. And for His own sake, He has blotted out our sins with His blood so that we can spend eternity with Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the courage you give me, you've given me to, to speak your words. 
Lord, if there is anyone here this morning that does not know you, does not know where their eternity will be spent, I pray that right now you will convict them and that they will accept you as their Savior and they will be saved from hell. Lord, we praise you that you do love us. We praise you that you sent your Son to die on the cross for us. And Lord, we praise you that we have the choice to accept where our eternity will be spent. In your name we pray these things. Amen.